Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're normally here to answer the questions, what makes you good and what makes you sad, but today it's all good girl glossary, all day. All one hour. All one (laughs) calendar hour of this episode. Um, That's right, the good girl glossary for those of you who know, is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. At the end of every episode, we ask a guest for an entry, but we have submissions from y'all, the listeners. Yes, we have some voice memo submissions, which we love. We have a couple that were just text-based, and then Sid and I are going to submit a few. Well, we're going to nominate. I don't know if they're going (laughs) to be submitted, but we're going to attempt to submit a few as well. So it's going to be a fun episode. I feel like this is the time when we really bond, and we all come together as good girls girls with um this shared history so there will be no really no sadness in this episode it's just just straight up good girl good vibes good vibes also just a reminder if you're new to us um welcome hello you should listen to all of the other episodes they're great but just wanted to give you some of our examples of past good girl glossary entries just so you know what you're in for um our number one put it on a pedestal entry is the care and keeping of you that is everyone's good girl origin story I think is looking at that little drawing and thinking oh my boobs are going to be uneven scary um (laughs) other good entries hey god just the phrase hey god um not passing the presidential fitness test despite wanting it so badly that was a big one gosh um loving a living history park a toilet paper seat protector Wearing alternative Uggs because you didn't want to have Uggs like everybody else, but you still really wanted the Uggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, the opening chords of Switchfoot's Meant to Live. Yes. So if you're not familiar, that was a good one. And from our friend Kaylee, an iconic one, putting other people's carts away at the grocery store, also bins at the airport, and doing it almost in a way to spite everyone else around you. Yes, looking the person dead in the eyes as you grab their bin and stack it up. So, I think we're ready. We're going to start with our own submissions. So, I think Sid will go first, and then I'll go second, and then we'll get into some listener submissions, and we'll just, like, have an all-around great time. Okay, I'm starting off a little little off the cuff here. Okay, great. Um, It's not having a pregnancy scare, but having pregnancy goosebumps, because... Okay. You don't exactly know how sex works and you're nervous you could get sex, like, get sexed, get pregnant at any moment a little bit. Like, everyone, everyone has a friend that thinks they got pregnant in a hot tub because they saw Glee mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, it's possible. They didn't get that it was sat- satire. Yes. Um, I had a friend that had that happen or just being like, if I'm anywhere near a man, I could get pregnant any moment. So mm-hmm. I like to call that pregnancy goosebumps because it's not a full scare. It's pregnancy goosebumps. You're afraid you could get pregnant at any moment. Okay, I do respect that, and I like the differentiation. I will say, for me personally, I was constantly scared that I was pregnant. Didn't matter if I, I was like from a toilet seat, I can get pregnant. Wait, who, like, so that's actually pregnancy goosebumps because yeah, okay. I think I think a scare has to be like you have qualified. had sex. Yes, like there's a true, <laughs> real reason that you could be pregnant. Got it. And pregnancy goosebumps is just like uneducated pregnancy. I also think it's just when you. Well, I, I can't speak for everyone, but when the way you were talk, taught about sex is this is for getting pregnant, and if you do it just for fun, you will get pregnant. Mm-hmm. 
like and an std yeah, of course you will get chlamydia you will die, die all of that i feel like when that's burned in your brain is like the worst possible thing that can happen to you is getting pregnant when you're not married is then that just makes it like it just is in your little brain so like you don't start your period when you're supposed to and you're like i'm pregnant even though i'm on birth control because i have really bad cramps and i've never had <laughs> sexual <laughs> activity <laughs> i am pregnant i've never I'm... made eye contact with a penis but i am in fact mm-hmm. pregnant that like, is the definition of a pregnancy like, bump. you never know like you just you might be and you just don't know and then the show i didn't know i was pregnant absolutely ruining your psyche yeah yeah actually though oh my god it's like (laughs) I feel like we've actually I don't know if we've talked about this but like learning when I was in college not sexually active mind you I learned about like multiple people who were just like normal college girls got pregnant had no idea they were pregnant and then people would send around pictures like this is her eight months pregnant with like a crop top on like perfectly flat stomach and I'm like oh my gosh I don't have a flat stomach on like my best day like I'm bloaty McGee over here how am I supposed to ever know if I'm pregnant if these people don't know they're pregnant and it like literally burned in my brain and it was like I knew I knew I knew on an intellectual level that I was not pregnant but mm, you couldn't you couldn't tell whatever the my psyche right right also, like, did you ever tell people you thought you were pregnant or was it you internalized it? Well, normally I didn't tell people, but then I found out in college that a lot of my other purity culture friends had similar things happen to them. Mm-hmm. So then we were more open about it. Okay. Because I think that's part of it too. I, like, never really voiced it when I thought I was constantly pregnant at all at any moment in time um, because I was like, I think deep down I knew it was silly. I knew it was really silly. And it wasn't even like people would think I'm having sex because no one did. No one thought I was having sex. I think my mom hoped I might have been, but I (laughs) (laughs) I definitely wasn't. Um, So do you nominate, do you second pregnancy goosebumps? Absolutely. (laughs) Pregnancy goosebumps in the glossary. Perfect. All right, Becca, I'm ready for your submission. Okay, so my mom actually, I I said this in passing, and my mom said that should go in the glossary, so yay for mothers, and getting a lot of references right now. Yep. Um, Mother's Day is quickly approaching. It is, yes. Call your mom. Call your mom. Um, oh, so the, the submission is the phrase Christian mean, and I'll explain what that means. Um, Christian mean is also similar to judgy Christian, which that's how we used to describe people in college. Like I would be like, oh yeah, they're a Christian, but they're like judgy Christian. And it's basically the type of person who uses their Christianity to lord it over everyone else and to judge people for drinking, having sex, smoking, whatever it may be. And I like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I low key had these like thoughts, but I, I wasn't like shaming people for it like I wasn't I high key was having these thoughts and actively shaming people for it (laughs) keep in mind um new listeners here I used to slap my friends when they cursed I would call them profanity slaps and I would say God doesn't want you to curse and God does not care I don't think about Mm -hmm. cursing so much so you may have been Christian mean I was Christian I was but I think also like the a key element of it is acting like you're saying something nice while saying something like exceptionally vicious ah this is also a southern specialty mm-hmm. bless it's your heart a, all that skill that you it have to cultivate skill. over time yeah and so um I've actually tried to write a joke about this before and it never really 
worked, but how like people deliver like compliment sandwiches or like insult sandwiches, I guess, because that would be the middle part mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, she's so sweet. She has her father's nose, but she's such a nice girl. Like, <laughs> that's how people in the South deliver their insults. But I feel like Christian mean is like when you're like, I just, you know, I think they're a nice person, but, and then the thing that you say is like horrible. Oh, I think I have a package. I'm going to sing a little song as an interlude. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Becca's back, never mind. (laughs) I wish I could remember, I wish I could remember the actual example that brought up Christian mean, but it's basically like when somebody is like using a really nice tone to basically say that somebody is a horrible person for like doing something very innocuous, like drinking too much or whatever. So I feel like honestly Christian mean can like accompany, not accompany, what? Oh my God, my brain is not working. I'm so tired. What is the word? (laughs) Encompass. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. You can keep all that in, whoever edits this (laughs) near you. (laughs) Um, She's not perfect, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like it encompasses a lot of different things, but I think the core is like acting like you're saying something nice and saying something like really horribly mean and judgmental. Yeah. And as someone who was Christian mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wanted everyone to, I was like, <laughs> you call yourself a Catholic? <laughs> you, um, mm, I saw you holding hands. Anyway, so it's like this very weird, like, sweet way of being extremely mean. Yeah, I think I beat that horse <laughs> we'll, enough. We'll work on, I think we can, <laughs> we'll work on that, yeah. We can um, do some uh, editing there. But yes. Needless you? to say, oh, that's that's in the glossary. 100%. Okay. I second it. Ba, ba, ba. Christian Mean. Christian Mean. Um, oh, I should read our first yes. listener submission. Okay, this is from Michael. Um, this is listening to She's So High by Tal Bachman with the windows down and a VW bug. It's so specific. <laughs> and so the energy of being a good girl. She's so high. High above me, she's, she's so, so lovely. lovely. I thought that song was about Jesus. Did anybody else think that song was about Jesus? I thought it was about like she's like an angel. She's like high above me morally. Oh, Sid <laughs> so was like, this song is about me, <laughs> like Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, or Aphrodite. I'm tossing my hair. You can't see. I have. I think I've actually experienced this top down in the convertible BW bug and it is the perfect experience like if you've never done this they stopped making bugs but you should find yourself a bug to get in I think a BW bug A is like an excellent good girl car because it's like I'm cute and I'm different like it's adorable it's adorable which I think good girls like I think I would have rather been described as adorable than hot and even still on a date the other day I was described as adorable and I went that's right. Mm-hmm. Correct. You read the memo. <laughs> yeah. You got me there, but that is not a crime. <laughs> yeah, I think the VW Bug is iconic. Also, my friends used to do what we called karaoke, which, by the way, James <laughs> Corden, carpool karaoke. Are you kidding me? Karaoke was right there. <laughs> anyway, I'll take it up with J- James Corden another time. Um, the Coalition of Jimmies at some other time. Yeah, add it to the list. Um... But yes, my friends did karaoke and we would like just drive, we would go to Sonic and we would get a beverage. We would not put vodka in it 
don't <laughs> don't get it twisted. We were not drinking alcohol. We would just get our like diet cherry limeade and just drive around town and sing these songs. We really liked like a Carrie Underwood vibe mm-hmm. more so, but um, yeah, I feel like that's that's such a wholesome activity. I think also if you in lieu of the VW Bug with the windows down, the windows can be up mm. and it can be sunny. Yeah, and you have headphones in because you, you you. I think in that case you need to be the only one listening to it. Or music a, video style. Or a sunroof. <gasps> or sunroof. Yeah. I don't like to have the windows down. It's a whole thing. But mm-hmm. I like a sunroof. Okay. So if the weather's nice where you are today, get yourself some High Above Me by Tal Bachman. Mm-hmm. That's Tal great. Tal Bachman? Do we know? I don't know. Do we know. care? I don't think I do. I second it, Becca. I, I third it. All right. She's so oh, high right. with the VW bug windows rolled down. Ba-ba-da-ba. It's in. Okay. One great. time we'll save these in yeah. unison. We don't have to do that. <laughs> we normally say them in unison, but also we sometimes don't, and you're going to have to deal with that. And that's okay. We have another listener submission. This is from Hannah. She sent it to us via DM, and you can too if you want to send us something via DM. Her addition to the Good Girl Glossary is mixed bathing. The church's way of saying boys and girls swimming together, although it sounds like they're taking a bath together. So I I would like to think that this is probably in reference to church camp mm-hmm. where you're wearing a one-piece bathing suit. Yeah. I've actually never heard the phrase mixed bathing, but I really love it. Oh, I love this. I've never had to do this, but I didn't really go to fun church camps. I went to... Um, I went to vacation Bible school, but there was no swimming. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, I love this mixed bathing comment because it is so, like, let's call it out. That's the church culture, like, let's call it out. Let's make it weird for everybody, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't have to be. And this is a normal thing, like kids in a pool. But what we're going to do is make everyone uncomfortable by using very formal language. That's so true. That is so true because... If you just went to the pool, nobody would be like, hmm, mixed bathing. Boys, girls, in the pool together. But then when you say it, then you start to get weird. Like, that's why you're self-conscious is because somebody called out that it's, like, not normal or whatever godly to swim in a pool with boys. And then you get self-conscious about your body, which shouldn't be a big deal. But then you get boobs and you're like, and now I feel guilty that I have boobs. Which was out of your control. It was out of my control. I if, mean, I, if I could have controlled it, I wouldn't have gotten them. Maybe it was in my control. I did sleep in a bra. Maybe this, I feel like this is a good girl glossary entry. Not wanting big boobs, so you slept in a bra because you heard that stunted their growth. Mm. Did that for two years. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I had like not. a sleep bra. I had an underwire sleep <laughs> bra that I slept in. Underwire? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like a, like a light sports bra. No. Oh, no. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I slept in a light sports bra in college, but that was just mostly because, like, you never know who you're going to see in your college house of nine girls. Yeah. Whose boyfriend's going to be roaming around There's and you're always, just trying to go to the bathroom. Men are always crawling. Crawling you're in your yeah. extra large Carolina law school t-shirt, <laughs> and you just don't want them to see your saggy boobs. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but anyway, I second this. I third it. All I right. It. And it goes. Burp mixed oh. <laughs> bathing. Mixed bathing. You want to do it for once? Yeah. Oh, are we going to do it at the same time? Oh. Mixed bathing. bathing. Love it. Perfect. Mine wasn't like pitch perfect. Sid's is like the same tone every time. Every time. You want to do another listener submission? Yes, another listener submission. It's from a friend of the pod, Kendall. And it's extreme guilt 
over your first cavity. Oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> also, also flip side of that, not like feeling like not having a cavity is a personality trait. Yes. Yeah. Michael's never had a cavity. And he told it to me the other day. He's 29 years old. He told it to me the other day. Like, it was, like, his life's accomplishment. And I was like, you know, that's kind of like a genetic thing. Like, <laughs> some people are just genetic, genetically predisposed to more cavities. And he just looked at me like I had, like, punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I um, definitely have had a lot of cavities. Um, I am genetically disposed to it. Also, I was a self-described grubby girl <laughs> and hygiene was not my thing when I was younger. I would kind of just fall asleep with the lights on, like with my textbooks, like pretty much throughout, like until eighth grade. Um, so that does not help when you're young and barely brush your teeth. You brush them in the morning, we don't brush them at night. And that's some, just how some of us are. You know how Hannah Horvath goes, I'm a big morning brusher. I brush them in the morning. It's in the, it's like in this episode one of Girls, oh I'm gosh. pretty sure. And I, like, when I heard her say I'm a big morning brusher, it, like, stabbed me in the heart and <laughs> twisted the knife. I was like, uh-oh, I'm a Hannah Horvath. Um, well, this is how I know that cavities are a scam. Because I used to get them when I was little, and I had, like, you know, every so often I would get one. Not, like, terrible, but every so often. And then, and I was really good about brushing my teeth to the point where they told me I was like ruining my enamel because I was brushing my teeth so much mm. and in that time I was getting cavities which may have had to do with the enamel who's to say I'm not a dentist but then I didn't go to the dentist for three years because I moved to New York and I was like scared to find a new dentist I don't know I feel like it's like very overwhelming to get a new doctor or whatever I don't know I think this is a personal problem you have to no that's okay. that's <laughs> universal first you have to find the doctor then you have to make the appointment then you have to be available for the appointment mm -hmm. it's so much it is so I went to the West Village Dental Studio, great place, and I had, was like, I haven't been to the dentist in three years, and I was like, so I'm sure it's going to be bad. You know what I had? No cavities. No cavities. And then I went to the dentist six months later, I had a cavity. I was like, I can't win for losing. <laughs> I'm, I would love a dentist to call in and like weigh in. It seems like cavities are subjective. Well, it's not like, oh, your bone is broken. That's yeah. a broken bone. It's like, we can do a filling. We can like do these things. Like you really have to find a dentist that you get along with. It almost seems like it, it really is like dental art, the dental arts, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I will say actually the last time I went to the dentist, I also hadn't gone in a long time. So I was expecting a cavity or two. And she said, I had really tiny cavities that they like, considered to like not even really be a cavity yet was it a deep groove I don't know oh. she kind of said she made it sound like it was like a pre-cavity situation mm -hmm. but she was like I see these little tiny cavities and I'm just gonna prescribe you like a high fluoride toothpaste that you use once a day and it should like seal them back up so which I'd never heard of that I've never heard of that either also the toothpaste is bubblegum flavored oh that's tough that's horrible I was like I don't want to go to bed like I've just been chewing a bazooka. <laughs> I want to go to bed minty fresh. Ruining my life. But anyway, I do think being stressed over a cavity, even today, like I get anxious about my mm -hmm. cavities because it feels like a, it feels like you did something wrong. Yes. Well, it's also, you don't want the dentist, to, like just the dentist being mad at you. Yeah. Oh it, my gosh. Uh, over any other kind of doctor. It's mm -hmm. the dentist being mad at you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I used to suck my thumb when I was little mm. and... 
my mom loves a baby who sucks their thumb because they don't cry mm-hmm. because they can self-soothe mm-hmm. so it was always encouraged of me that I suck my thumb and then I went I like became a like child and then you can't suck your thumb anymore because you might get buck teeth and we tried everything like the nail polish thing that makes your like thumb taste bad Mm -hmm. and um I wore socks on my hands I had to put Vaseline on my hands like all this stuff to deter you from sucking your thumb nothing worked and then I went to the dentist and my dentist sat me down and was like this is what's gonna happen if you don't stop sucking your thumb you're gonna get buck teeth we're going to have to get braces and the kind of braces that you're going to get are going to hurt really badly because we're going to have to move your entire jaw around because you're going to get your jaw out of whack. Like he gave me this like whole thing. He like showed me pictures and I never sucked my thumb again. Wow. And my mom was like, I told him after that, I was like, whenever we have issues with our children, I'm just going to bring them here (laughs) and you just put the fear of God in them. You have to do your homework or you are going to end up Literally. She's like, I'm going to take you to Dr. Lewis if you don't do your math homework. Oh my gosh. Well, I second the nomination. I third it. All right. Extreme guilt over... um, Okay, yes. I'm ready. Guilt over your first cavity? Yes. You'll just say, okay, first cavity guilt. Yeah. All right. First cavity guilt. Amazing. She's in. Okay. I have a a voice memo. Yeah. And I haven't listened to it. (gasps) My submission to the Good Girl Glossary is... um, Using alternative methods to lighten your hair. In other terms, the unnatural, natural blonde. When I was really, really little, I had like bleach blonde hair. So blonde, it was practically white. It was beautiful. And then as I went through puberty and like got older and things, my hair started getting darker. And I was devastated that my natural blonde hair was no longer that like bleach blonde that it once was. But in my head, I had this idea that dyeing your hair was just so bad for it. You're going to damage it so much. And like only the slurpy girls dyed their hair, bleached their hair because it would damage their hair so much and whatnot. So what I did instead is on Pinterest and in teen magazines and such, I found all these alternative natural, quote unquote, natural ways to lighten your hair. I used cinnamon. I sprayed lemon in my hair. I washed my hair with honey. Um, Like practically anything that I found that on the internet or in those magazines or whatever that would swear on lightening your hair. And I very much prided myself on the fact that I, quote unquote, never dyed my hair, but I was honestly probably damaging it more with all those alternative methods than actually bleaching it. Um, So that's my good girl glossary nomination. Um, The unnatural, natural blonde. And yes, that includes... Sunnin. Oh my god. Ah! That's so real. <laughs> we are two brunettes, we should we clarify. Although I, I'm a natural blonde. <laughs> yeah. I was blonde when I was like three, which is about the same as most blondes. <laughs> um, I came out of the womb with a wild head of hair, also 10 pounds, 10 ounces, just a heavy brunette baby. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Big old brunette baby. Um, 
but the girls at my school were definitely using the sun in and I would go to like the pool parties and they would spray it in their hair and I remember asking my mom and she was like your hair's gonna turn orange like you you can't do that Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like um other things well the lemon juice was really big and I definitely did that sometimes just like for funsies but I don't have like any highlights to my hair naturally. But one summer at camp, I got this funny little like blonde streak at the bottom of my, cause I like wore my hair in a high bun. Mm-hmm. And it was like at the bottom, I got this blonde streak. It was so random. And then I was like, now I'm, this is my whole personality. <laughs> so then I put lemon juice on the blonde streak. But um, yeah, definitely the lemon juice was really big. And um, then I feel like once I got to college, people started using that blonde shampoo. And people would use the shampoo the that, like... The purple shampoo? No, purple shampoo came later. Okay. That's that's now. That's a new... It's an evolution? Yeah. Okay. It was, like, um, like John Frieda or something. And it was, like, in this yellow bottle. And it was called, like, Natural Blonde or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I, or go, go Blonder. Something uh-huh. like that. And so the, I, it was supposed to be, like, you have blonde hair, but it helps you, like, either lighten your hair or, like, maintain your color and so a lot of my friends in college who were natural blondes quote-unquote used Mm. this stuff on their hair and it made a huge difference like you could really tell when people used it in a bad way no it looks good yeah it looks good good. it wasn't like oh that's the shampoo talking no 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 it looked good but and I feel like I had like three or four friends who were like actual natural blondes in college and they used it and it seemed to really work on them I don't know how much it would work on like if you had like dirty like if you had like Mm -hmm. light brown hair Mm -hmm. and considered yourself a blonde you know yeah but um yeah I feel like that's so real and also funnily enough I feel like most of my friends who highlighted their hair in college now don't and have just embraced being brunettes because one it's cheaper that's a sign of the recession Mm -hmm. when people go brunette um, all your, I'm not trying to say all your friends are broke. That's really how it came out. Um, well, no, I feel like when we were like 22, people couldn't afford $300 highlights that's or whatever true. it is. Well, also, blonde became big. Thank you. And that's I feel what like I was people for. were like, hell yeah, now it's not mousy brown, it's blonde. I can lean into that. So, yes, I definitely second the um, unnatural, natural true. blonde Fine. as a submission. I third it. Unnatural, natural, natural blonde. Perfect. We did that at the same time, too. Uh, we finally, we're finally in so sync. Good. I have one from Megan, and it is using CoverGirl eyeshadow palettes for your eye. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Specifically, yeah. the ones that brought out your, like, it's like natural beauty, yes. but it's like specifically the CoverGirl palettes that were for your eye color, mm-hmm. and you would just splash that all around your eyelids mm-hmm. and be like... Do my eyes look green? Do they look green? Yeah. Especially you are big, you have big eyes and they're very blue. Mm-hmm. I so ha- you I must have been a connoisseur I of this product. I absolutely wore <laughs> blue eyeshadow. It had the like dark, like navy, mm-hmm. and I would use that as like a little like eyeliner. Like I would, I would use it like really close to my eyelid and then I would use the lighter blue all over. And then there was like a, like a white that I would use like, I, so I would use the lighter blue like you know, middle to eye outside. You know how you were supposed to do that? (laughs) And there's a little diagram Mm -hmm. on the back that was so complicated. (laughs) Yeah, and then I used the white, like, sparkly, just, like, right in the center of my eye, which I feel like the kids are doing again. They're using white eyeliner and stuff like that. Oh, it's back. And I did it because Carrie Underwood did it, actually. Mm. Fun fact. Um, But yes, 100% know the palette, know the different shades. 
At one point, I got the green eye one because I feel like my eyes are more blue now, but they used to be, like, pretty blue-green. Mm-hmm. And I got the green eye one, and, like, one of my friends got mad at me. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you don't have green eyes. And I was like, um, I could if I use this purple or whatever it was. The purple. The, purple. the dark brown purple as mm-hmm. a green-eyed girly um, was very, very important. And... I, but I didn't really know how to, that diagram was very confusing to me. Mm. I didn't really know what I was doing, but America's Next Step Model really told me, you know, like accentuate your natural beauty yeah. with this specific CoverGirl palette because you didn't want to, you want to enhance your natural beauty. Mm-hmm. It's very makeup in a God honoring way. Um, <laughs> you wanted to enhance your natural beauty, but not look like a slurp. Thank you, Anne Marie, for using the term slurp. You're an absolute good girl icon. Incredible. Yes, um, we're bringing back submission. slurp. We haven't talked about it in a long time. Um, slurp is what we say instead of slut because that's mean. <laughs> True, it is mean. We don't slut shame. We don't slut shame. But we... slurping accepts, well, slurping acknowledges our past mm-hmm. as slut shamers mm-hmm. without actively slut shaming. Exactly. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't an autocorrect that we turned into a prank. <laughs> <laughs> no, we turned into a joke. Um, but CoverGirl for your eyes only eyeshadow palette? Yes, 100%. All right, I second the nomination. You you fifth it. Yeah, fifth it. <laughs> Co- Co- oh. oh, cover, cover girl, girl for your eyes only. Palette. Palette. I think it's. I don't think that's what it's called, but it should have been called that. Yeah, like, it I should. I remember it for your eyes only. That's beautiful. Yeah, I feel like it was like intense eyes or like something like that. Like intensifies. Like also good real eyes real eyes real eyes intensifies makeup that was pretty good i'm gonna text somebody that (laughs) um okay i have one that is i would say this is sort of crowdsourced from my friends Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure they would like for me to say their names okay so So anonymous anonymous jane doe if you will um this is being the friend who other people used to tell their parents that somewhere was, like, safe. You're like, okay, I need to... I, or, no, being the friend who other people used to get their parents to let them do something. That's really... Okay. What it is. So, it's, like, you're going to parties. Like, people would be going to parties, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, Becca's gonna be there. And that's how their parents would be like, okay, well, it's probably not a wild rager if Becca's gonna be there. Were you that friend? Yes. But because also you're actually you were the Becca of the Becca situation. Yes, but many of my college friends apparently were also those friends in high school, <laughs> which is funny. And um so my friend in particular that brought that up was like, people did that and I was not invited to those parties. Like people would be oh. like, She's gonna be there to And you weren't even invited? Yeah, and she wasn't even invited. Like me. Yeah, I know. I've, I experienced this, listeners. But it sounds like it was a universal experience a lot. But I will say, too, I got my ears pierced when I was in the first grade. And um, when I really wanted to get my ears pierced, my sister helped me do, like, a whole campaign. It was my first ad campaign. And <laughs> it was, like, gorilla. Like, we put signs all over the house. It was a whole thing. And <laughs> my – that's true. Um, my friend told her mom – that she wanted to get her ears pierced. And her mom said, you can get your ears pierced if Becca gets her ears pierced. And then I won my advertising campaign. I won the pitch, if you will. And <laughs> You were um, awarded the bid. Yes, I was awarded. I was I was the uh, AOR for my ears. And so we got to go to Claire's and get our ears pierced because her mom said, if Becca's allowed to, you can go. And she was kind of like, well, if her parents let her, then why shouldn't I? So we got our ears pierced. I love that. I yeah. actually think as a parent... 
if I become a parent, I will outsource decisions to other parents. I'm like, 100%. It's, it's a good, honestly. Um, well, I definitely second being, being the friend, friend who other people, people use to get their parents, parents to let them, them do something. something. Amazing. Um, and this is from Kenny. So for the good girl glossary, I recommend adding the expression, guard your heart. So growing up in youth group, the advice to guard your heart was one of the most common bits of a dating advice that me and my friends got. The idea was to have boundaries, not just physically, but emotionally with the people that we were dating. Put another way, uh, youth pastors growing up were warning us not just to focus on going too far, so to speak, physically, but that our emotional intimacy should be proportionate to the physical intimacy we had with our significant others. Sometimes they would refer to it as having emotional sex if we went too far emotionally with someone, which I always found that expression or term extremely uncomfortable. I think for the most part, the idea of setting up emotional boundaries was a really good piece of advice to teenagers. You know, especially if you're a teenager and you meet someone and think, wow, they're going to be the love of my life. And then, you know, two weeks later, you meet someone else and you're like, oh, no, this is the person who's going to be the love of my life. You know, boundaries, I think, for teenagers are incredibly important to teach. Um, and especially emotional boundaries. But I think also, despite the you know good intentions uh, of, of this expression, there was also another side of this expression that, at least for me, internalized a bit of a cautious fear, um, you know, fear of being truly known and being concerned, you know, about how, how much I should really open up to people. And I think that, you know, as, as important it is to have boundaries, I think there's also a question of, of making sure that you know, you are being vulnerable in relationships. And I think that sometimes the guarding your heart um, advice could be a really convenient way of avoiding being vulnerable. The link that he sent is how to guard your heart, three practical steps to preventing emotional sex. Oh, Lord. Emotional sex. This was written December 7th, 2022. Oh, my gosh. This website has so many ads. Are they saying? true? This is from truelovedates.com. Are they saying that emotional sex is like when you are too intimate with your... Yes, I think so. <gasps> when it comes to Christian relationships, guard your heart is probably one of the most common bits of advice. But what does it mean to guard your heart? Emotional boundaries are just as important as physical boundaries. How far is too far? But why is it that when we answer this question, we tend to fixate on the physical? Don't get me wrong, as a professional, professional counselor and as a woman who has gone through the world of dating, which is um, a hyperlink... We'll have to explore that later. (laughs) I think the question of physical boundaries is really important and requires some serious thought and consideration. It's important to put mental time and energy into questions like this and set up your limits within a dating relationship, which is why I've devoted an entire chapter to it in True Love Dates. That's right. This woman has a book. But what... But is the physical the most important thing? It seems to me that our Christian society can get so fixated on the physical aspects of intimacy that we neglect the emotional and spiritual boundaries that can be just as binding and just as devastating in the end. If not, way more so. (laughs) More powerful than a kiss, more subjective than an embrace. Mm. There is something that happens when two people connect emotionally. Put that on a t-shirt and see how it sells. (laughs) So yeah, this is about emotional intimacy and how eye contact can get you... I guess God pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually emotionally with child. I'm emotionally <laughs> with child, no! I'm emotionally pregnant out of wedlock, so... My friend Emily learned the hard way. Mm, Emily. She decided not to... Abigail gave everything Abigail. she had. <laughs> and then she sang it next to her friend Abigail. Okay, she decided not to date around, but instead wanted to wait until she felt that dating would definitely lead to marriage. As wise as that decision may have been at the time, when she finally did start dating Brian in her late 20s, she went too deep too fast. 
She'd been holding onto her emotions for so long that when she finally entered into a relationship, she let the floodgates open. But here's the thing about dating in an emotionally healthy way. It's important to make sure that our emotional relationship is grown proportionally to our level of commitment. So what's so fun about that example is that we have no actual idea what Emily did. No, but one thing <laughs> I will say is I do think she's a point. <laughs> because I feel like it's like when everybody is... Also, the Emily and Brian of doll is hilarious. That is actually really funny. That's though. her sister and brother-in-law. Yeah. And by her, I mean Becca. <laughs> Me. Um, I actually think that she has a really good point, though, because I feel like, you know, it's like on TikTok when people are like, oh, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend of three years and didn't shed a tear, but then my situationship has me, like, not eating for weeks or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that's actually kind of real. Like, everyone has gotten into an emotional thing that was too far. Well, not yeah. everyone, I guess. Not, no, we've not all, men. We've all, no, we've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. Okay. Actually, do you want to know the three ways to guard your heart? We can cut out most of the ones. Okay. Number one, play together. Don't pray together. Okay. It might sound contradictory to your Christian beliefs. We've always been taught that prayer is such an important part of a relationship. I know of so many couples who started their relationship by investing time in deep spiritual prayer with one another and spending time in God's word together. While this sounds well and good, in my opinion, it's actually a really dangerous road to travel at such an early stage of the relationship. Okay. Okay, get it. I actually like... I'm okay, with Deborah. Her. I'm with Deborah. We were here to make fun of this, and now we are really taking it's pretty it good out. advice. Okay. Two, know when to open up and when not to. Dating is such a special time. It's a time to really get to know somebody and invest in who they are. It's a time to let your guard down a little at a time and begin to share the truth of who you are. But that's the key word. A little at a time. When you enter into a relationship, you should be at a point in your life where you're ready to be open and ready to share and ready to communicate. Okay. Yeah, you hear red that? For, red for filth. <laughs> Men of hinge. But there should also be limits to this kind of openness. There are times to be open and share your heart, but there are also times to withhold. Okay. Avoid, number three, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good advice. This is not bad advice. This is not bad advice. Thank you, Kenny, for sending this. Yeah, so now we are number one fans of truelovedates.com. <laughs> um, number three, avoid talking about commitment before you've actually committed. Mm. That's, and that's so Christian. That's so Christian. Being like, we're getting married. Yeah. So we can do X, Y, and Z. But we'll just wait until we're married. Like, you talk about all these hypotheticals and you mm-hmm. basically, like, live in a fantasy. That's so true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there is such a temptation to talk about the future when you're dating. You want to dream together, to envision the future together, and to create this world of ahead to live for, like I just said. I think there is a time and a place for this kind of discussion. Later on in a relationship, it's important to be on the same page and have a similar outlook on what is to come relationally. But let's be honest. That conversation should be happening – should not be happening – early on in a dating relationship. It's a problem when com- people commit to things far beyond the place where they are at relationally. It's a problem when you commit to the future before you've actually committed to the present. And there is a little hyperlink to tweet that quote exactly. Oh, wow. Which is so fun. If, well, you, if your friend tweeted, it's a problem when you commit to the future before you've actually committed to the present, are you sending them a text and asking them if they're okay? No, seriously. <laughs> and you, if you're not, you should be. You should be a good friend. Ask them if they're okay. Yeah. Well, I will say, I feel like this is, very good advice, this is great which I've advice. said 18 times now, but I do think it's good advice because... Should we get I, Deborah on the pod? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally. I feel like I knew people who were the type of religious where, like, I had people who said, like, I wouldn't kiss somebody unless I thought I was going to marry them. And then you're committing to marrying somebody, basically, in your heart before you've even kissed them. And then if you break up, then you're like, well, I just gave away that thing that I was saving for my husband. But it's like... 
you shouldn't, I mean, unless you save your kiss for marriage, like, you shouldn't be, you know, that doesn't make sense because then you're, like, in your head, you're like, I'm going to marry this person, but you haven't given them a chance to, like, actually get to know them. Mm-hmm. I feel like... That's a very dangerous road we yeah. walk down. Or it's, I think, even outside of Christianity, that is a narrative. Yeah. Like, that's not just necessarily a Christian problem. I do think it's a purity culture problem overall, which even, like, there's purity culture with a capital PC, and then there's purity culture, which is just, like, pervades mm-hmm. certain spaces. Yeah. Okay. Deborah. She also, but she does have stuff about um, porn no more. And overcoming lust and pornography, which I guess it's a problem for people, but I think sometimes when it's overemphasized as a problem, it makes it a problem for people. Yeah. I just went to, should I talk about it now? Yes. So I did just oh. go to a porn film festival called Hump Fest, um, which is like apparently a traveling tour of short five minute porn videos we're earning our explicit rating on this mm-hmm. one boys and girls and everybody else is um, saying porn explicit? <laughs> i don't know somebody is went in is, is saying porn explicit you should see my body clamming up i'm literally yeah, getting smaller and smaller like a little pretzel um but thank you to my friends megan and tatiana for getting me out there um i said i was going to go as part of a journalistic kind of exploration and i'm here to say it was a, like there were some that were a lot and there were some that were just like sweet intimate moments between two people that maybe are not like typically represented even in like traditional media mm-hmm. outside of porn um and that it can be like a normal healthy thing to like see people you don't necessarily get to see represented like having intimate moments I totally believe that. But then there was also somebody getting a gynecological exam as a kink. And I'm not here to kink shame, but I am here to say I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see that. So that was a lot. But, and I can't necessarily even recommend you go see this. But um, it did, it was very illuminating for me and opened my eyes. And also like I was sitting, like you, I saw it in a movie theater and it was not like a kinky place to be. Like you were not allowed to like really be engaging I would say with anything mm-hmm. like in the audience and so it was just people like respectfully watching porn which is a fun experience if you've never done that mm-hmm. um but I don't know if you're in college and you're like maybe there's like a course about like the history of porn or something I think for me it was so taboo for so so long there it's very hard to normalize it like even as a thing other people do mm-hmm. um and like not I have, like, a history of, like, really slut-shaming people for yeah. the porn thing. Because I'm, like, that's something you, like, search up. Like, that's such a decision. That's such X, Y, Z. But, like, that only made, like, conversations around sex so much harder. So, yeah. I can finally exhale my anxieties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I finished my conversation about that. But I don't know if you have anything to weigh in on. I texted no. Becca frantically after. I was like, guess what I did? I didn't even want to tell you I was going because I didn't know if I was going to like it. I was just going to not tell anybody, yeah. but I'm really glad I went, so. Well, I was I was intrigued that you said you, like, weren't uncomfortable. And I feel like mm. part mm-hmm. of that probably is just the setting in which you're consuming it because it probably, like, it doesn't feel taboo to, like, give somebody a ticket and go mm-hmm. into a movie theater and whatever. Well, I think also, was, so what's especially important about this is that, like, you have to be an amateur and it wasn't, um... Like, and it's normally either people who are, like, very comfortable, like, very open with their sex- sexuality, 
or it's like true partners. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like anybody was being like exploited or anything. And I was nervous about that. Um, But you could tell that like, and a lot of them even had like intimacy coordinators like listed in the credits. So that made me feel a lot better because I'm like, these are just two people doing what they want to do. And I'm the one that volunteered to sit here and watch it. But that's what normally makes me uncomfortable is that I'm like, does anybody like what's going on behind the scenes makes me super uncomfortable. Um, But in this specific scenario, I didn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know anything about porn, but I feel like you see a lot of stuff now about like ethical porn. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know, honestly, what that means. Like I've never (laughs) even looked into it. But it seems. Yeah, I feel like it's just I automatically just shut down. And I'm like, Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to be open. Yeah, I think that's great. So guarding your heart into the glossary. (laughs) Oh, I did want to say one more thing about guarding your heart. Um, in this happens a lot because The Bachelor and Christian culture are very intertwined. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's become a like hot topic phrase on The Bachelor where people are like, you still are dating three other people. I need to guard my heart. Like, I need to protect my heart. And it's like the way that people are talking about like not getting too invested in The Bachelor because they've got like... But anyway, I just feel like... Every time I notice that there's like a religious jargony thing on The Bachelor, it's so fascinating. And I just, I would like to get a Bachelor scholar. If anybody mm-hmm. knows someone who's a Bachelor scholar, because I would, or like did their dissertation on The Bachelor, <laughs> or even just like wrote a good paper on it. Like I would just, because I know, I know this is a thing, because I've seen people on the internet talk yeah. about it. But I would love to like sit down and have a discussion about like, Christian culture, purity culture, and The Bachelor because I just feel like it's so intertwined in a way that, like, you really don't see on TV unless it's, like, the Duggars or, like, Mm -hmm. unless the point of the show is, wow, look how Christian these people are. Like, you don't often see just, like, that regular jargon that I feel like I got very used to of, like, intentional, guard your heart, like, hey, God, like, all... Seasons of life, Mm -hmm. that's creeping into the zeitgeist. Or, um... Oh gosh, what is the like being a spiritual guide, like spiritual spiritual leader, mm. and that's what like Maddie and Grant Trout talk about mm-hmm. all the time. Of like, he he needed to like be my spiritual leader, and like he needs to be our faith leader in this relationship, and blah blah blah. Anyway, I just feel like all that stuff is like wrapped up together. Yes, but yeah, hundred percent. I also think something interesting about guarding your heart is that you are referencing it as like people guarding their own hearts, but it, like mm-hmm. also in Christian culture, it's very much like the man has to guard the woman's heart, like it's the protector mm-hmm. of her heart, and I don't think that that's a very healthy either. Yeah, <laughs> well, I also feel like there's some. I think there's some like shamey element because obviously there's the like there's the don't have sex because you need to guard your heart but then there's Mm -hmm. also the element of like you're like kind of not encouraged to just like have a good old-fashioned crush on somebody when that's like a thing that people are warning you about and I do think it is wise to be like you know only fools rush in whatever but I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's some element where it's like, I feel like I had friends who didn't really let themselves have fun in the beginning of a relationship because they had to be so serious about like, is this going to be a Christ-centered relationship and I need to guard my heart until I've decided if this person is like the person I can kiss and like all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And then it's like very limiting. So it doesn't let you kind of have the fun parts of being like 18, 19. Yeah. When you're 18, 19, it's, like, so serious. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> I my friends used to say stuff all the time like I don't think I could date that person because we couldn't have a Christ-centered relationship or a Christ-centered marriage. And I'd be like, well, you're a freshman in college. You're probably not going to have a marriage anyway. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like better at some point in your life to date to marry if that's what you want to do. If you want to marry somebody, then it's like good to date for that purpose. But like to do that when you're 17, 18, 19 years old, it's just a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... Guard, Guard your, your heart. heart. It's in the glossary. Um, so mine it was also based on a conversation I was having with one of my friends. Loving romance novels, but skimming through the sex scenes. Mm. Yeah. So it is like going out of your way to read Emily Henry. So like not, I'm not talking about like, um, you know, the ones where like they've got like their shirts off and the hair and everything. Not those romance <laughs> novels, but like, like a, like a chiclet. Which I feel like is a very condescending phrase. A rom-com. But that's what I mean. Yeah. But apparently, it doesn't matter at all. But <laughs> since I'm, I'm... I don't read, so this is all Becca. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing a book, and I want to write a rom-com. And so I've been doing a lot of research on, like, what makes it a rom-com versus a romance, whatever. Um, but a romance is when it only focuses on those two characters, and you, like, know those two characters are going to be together, and they usually, like, get together, and then something breaks them apart. But... They always have sex, and they usually, like, a fourth of the way through have, like, a will-they-or-won't-they moment, and then sometimes they'll, like, make out and, like, you know, have a very steamy encounter, and then they're like, what? We weren't supposed to make out. We hate each other. Like, it's that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they bang, and usually when they have sex, is very graphic, and you, because, like, reading, like, you can't. You know, like mm-hmm. in a in a film, you can like cover stuff up, whatever. But when you're reading, they're describing every body part. They're describing everything, and I just like skim through. But I was I was thinking about it, and I was like, I legitimately like I get to those scenes, and I just like I just skim. Like my eyes are just like I don't want to read that. I don't like these words you're using for those body parts. <laughs> well, I, I just, just like can't. in Twilight. I was like, I know that they're married, but this is still quite graphic. And then I did read um, the Love Hypothesis. Um, the yeah. Allie Hazelwood one yes. and it was so tame for so long that in the last like two chapters I was like I was like I didn't know you could describe the temperature the yeah. scent the yeah. that was like we're using all five senses here and I skimmed it and then I was like I read like the last chapter and I was like I finished it I finished the book because I was like I'm alone at home. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is too much for me. Or sometimes, like, I'll be on a plane no, and I'm, so, I'm like... Oh, sorry, I was saying even alone at home it's too yeah. much for me. Well, and I don't even feel like I get like... I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I'm, like, hot and bothered and it's embarrassing or whatever. I'm I just, do like, get hot and bothered. Well, I am embarrassed. Yeah, maybe some books. I don't know. Um, what The Hating Game was, like, the first book like that that I ever mm. read and I didn't know it was, like, going to erupt into all these sex scenes. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it was really shocking. And I, my sister had, like, recommended it to me. And she was like, oh, yeah. Right. So for some people out there, it's normal? Yeah. Well, also <laughs> the funny thing is um, this girl that – I follow on Instagram. She talks all the time about books and she like rates them on a smuttiness scale. Mm. And she's like looking for like intense smuttiness. And I'm like, hard. I'm literally out. I'm Googling, can I write a romance novel without a sex scene? Like, (laughs) also, you, you've never felt embarrassed until you've read a British romance novel because they use words that I do not like to hear. In reference to body parts, and it's, like, in, like, these, like, sexual ways, and they say it to each other, and I'm like, did you just call her that? 
<laughs> and it's are, you, like, is it, are you talking about one word specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, but it's like, there's other ones. Like, they, I don't know. I can't even, I don't know. I feel like the joke is always, like, saying, like, your member or whatever. And I'm like, that's better than some of the other words they use. Yeah. We get real descriptive, and I don't like it. Anyway. I second that for sure. <laughs> I was going to give more examples, but then I was like, I don't even want myself on recording talking about the things that are bothering me. Um, all right. Well, skimming, skimming through, through sex scenes. scenes. That's in. That is in. Okay. Um, I'm like, my face is red. <laughs> yeah. Becca's not doing all right. Um, okay. Bringing it back down for a second. Uh, I would like to enter for submission to the Good Girl Glossary being safe sitter certified. Mm. Being safe sitter certified is you take a little class to prove that you will be able to take care of children. I was like, I think I took it in the back of my mind. I took it in eighth grade. They like offered it at my school. And one, I loved a class of any kind to prove that I could have a certificate that I was like good at this thing. Oh, I mean, that's a good girl trait no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, tell me I'm good yeah. at something. Two, I um, was like, well, I'd be a good mom. I like use it as a <laughs> test to be a good mom, which is dark. That is dark. dark. Um, and I passed the test. I had to learn CPR. Um, I still, I feel like the only thing that I remember is how to do a Heimlich on a baby. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. It's scary. They give you a bag and it has a little pocket for your cell phone and it has, it comes with like a binder full of laminated sheets on what to do and like That's good. how to take care of kids. And it was like my Bible. And I think actually I babysat twice. Um, and I think the course was like $40, so I never recouped the money from the course, <laughs> but the safe center certification was so important to me. Becca, do you have any? I don't think I like took a course or anything like that, but I do, I am reminded of my like CPR training and all mm-hmm. of that. And that was very scary to me. And it always made me be like, well, now I have this knowledge. If something happens, I have to use it. And that's so scary. Yes. It, it felt like because, so much pressure. Now you're, now you're responsible. Yeah, yeah that's so, true. like Good Samaritan uh-huh. law or whatever. Yeah. That uh, was very scary. Do you second it? I definitely second it. All right. Being, Being safe, safe sitter certified. certified. Bum, ba, da, ba. And I think that that's our final glossary entry of the day. We only entered Amazing. like, we did, we entered a lot. And we, we did. Thank, thank you everybody who submitted. And we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, please submit your nominations voice memo is preferred but some people don't like doing that and that's totally fine so you can just send us little dm email whatever you want to do we would love to hear your submissions every time we've gotten a submission from a listener it's been like oh my gosh that's a good one it's they've all been excellent every single time it's like i we feel like we're like doing something really cool (laughs) because like people get it i don't know the The girls who get get it get get it it. (laughs) um bucca where can we find you you can find me on Instagram at the Becca Stevenson or on TikTok at the real underscore Becca. You can find me <laughs> at Sid the King on Instagram. Periods in between Sid and the, and also between the and King. Because I was like, wow, that's that's a rough one, but that's okay. You know where to find me if you want to find me. You can find us, the Good Girls Gone Sad, on TikTok at Good Girls Gone Sad, on Instagram at Good Girls Gone Sad, and email at Good Girls Gone Sad at gmail.com. And I think there's only one thing left to say. Thank you to Luke Lima, our amazing DJ, for our beautiful intro and outro music. And Jesus Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. Bye. 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 (laughs) Oh, no. Okay.